0: We are moving through the Hall of Famers section of the Old Testament. Hannah, the brave, devoted mother of Samuel. Samuel, who in last week's story opened his ears in the midst of his community of faith. And though he was the bearer of bad news for Israel and for Eli, he delivers the goods and pushes God's promises forward. But today we find Samuel is not quite as eager, as optimistic as he was 30 years earlier. He's not leaning in with a listening ear. He's grieving. He's heartbroken over shattered dreams, dashed hopes, broken vows, the greed, the injustice, the evils of the system. Israel's first king is... Don was alluding to this morning with the children, is a failure. In fact, he's a maniac and a menace. He's defiling God's name, he's defiling God's people, and so Samuel finds himself dejected and despondent. And Samuel, if we read in this story, today's story, he too is caught up in the madness and the violence. He's actually got blood on his hands. We read that he has just hewn Agag into pieces with a sword. So there's sadness and madness in his heart. He's just told Saul that Saul's kingdom will be torn away from him. And so Samuel's probably exhausted too. He's ready for a break He's ready to be released from the call of God on his life. But the Lord, thank the Lord, has new plans for Samuel. The Lord will not let God's promises for worldwide blessing be thwarted. So once again, just when we feel like the the, the story of God is in jeopardy or the jig is up for Israel, the Lord moves. The Lord speaks, the Lord provides. The Lord says to Samuel, how long will you grieve? I've rejected Saul from being king over Israel. So fill your horn with oil and set out. Got a little, not a little, but a big horn here. The Lord says, I'll send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king from among his sons. So what's Samuel's response like? Is he, yes, Lord, I'll do it. No, again, Samuel's answer is, I can't do it. I I can't go. You can't possibly want me to do that. I'll get killed. But the Lord's unwavering assurance is this. Trust me. And again, can we pause with today's story and think about the past stories? Um, We find ourselves in these stories. So think of a time when you sensed God saying, go. And you said, no. And God said, trust me. Let's think about that. God said go, you said no, and God said trust me. Let me give you a couple of reflection questions. Has God asked you to overthrow principalities or powers? Has God asked you to overthrow principalities or powers? Or maybe this one, just taking it down a couple of steps. Has God asked you to do an improbable thing for the good of the world? Has God asked you to do an improbable thing for the good of the world? And if yes is your answer, how did you respond to that call of God? Did you find yourself like Samuel saying, Not me? Not now, but then did you hear God's words of assurance saying, trust me? And then what happened? I was pondering Samuel's conundrum this past week, and I don't assume that a lot of you know of my story of coming to First Baptist Church Edmonton, do you? Raise your hand if you know my story. Okay, a handful of you. So 15 years ago, I was working for our denomination. And I would hear stories about First Baptist Church Edmonton. And some of them were really good stories. And some of you were a part of these really good stories. But one of the best ones is that in the mid-80s, the church council and the congregation voted to sell this place. Do you know that? Raise your hand if you know that we almost sold this place in 1985 or 86. So a developer comes, the congregation says, yep, we think this is the way forward, and um, First Baptist Church is sold. But then, in a twist... The developer runs out of money or something like that, can't pull off the deal. And so that whole plan just falls apart. And so suddenly, this little church of maybe 30 people has resources in the bank and a renewed will to try again. And it worked! Can I get a hurrah? (laughs) We're here because it worked 35 years ago. So what a great story. But 15 years ago, there were also some not-so-great stories swirling around First Baptist Church Edmonton. A church that had struggled, a church that was trying to find its way forward, a church that was experiencing some division and real heartache. But they were trying to find a new senior minister. And it had been a long, arduous, arduous journey. And I don't want to drag on the story, but as this search committee for a senior minister was going on and on and on and on and on, I was hearing about First Baptist Church Edmonton. And I felt like the spirit was saying, Ryan, maybe it's you. Maybe you should put your name forward for senior minister. And I was like, what? You talking to me? (laughs) I'm working for the denomination. I got stuff to do. But the Spirit kept on speaking. And I don't have God audibly talking to me. That doesn't come with this position, all right? But... I did feel like the Spirit was saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so that's why I'm trying to prompt you on the stories where you have trusted, where you have sensed the Spirit pushing or nudging you, or maybe you're sensing that even now. The Spirit nudging or pushing you and saying, you're probably the one to do this. And instead of saying no, I would encourage you to listen to God and to hear God saying, trust me. And maybe you've got some really great, cool stories where you have trusted and you've sensed God's faithfulness and providence in your life. Share that story with someone today or this week. Uh, over coffee, or maybe with your family, over the lunch table or the supper table, you say, hey, let's go around the circle and share stories where we thought God really helped us through. In a time when we felt like we needed to say no, but God was saying, yes, you can do it, trust me. To reflect on God's faithfulness is good spiritual practice for us. But let's go back to Samuel. Samuel. Samuel comes to the city and the elders of the city are trembling. You're going to anoint Saul? He's, you're going to tell him there's a new king coming to town? You know how Saul acts with people who disobey him. And we read, Samuel did what the Lord commanded. With a horn full of anointing oil, he visits Jesse's family farm. I think... Evan's gonna put up this horn, <laughs> and as Don was sharing, each of Jesse's sons come forward. You like your dress? Of yeah. audition Maybe they've heard rumors in town that Samuel's in town with his anointing oil and his brimming horn, and so they they perhaps strut before him and um, await under Samuel's pensive gaze, his response. All the brothers come before, and and Samuel says, Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Are they all here? And then David comes, and lo and behold, it's David. To probably everyone's shock and awe, and maybe even the dismay of the brothers, Rise and anoint David. This is the one. The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And so this 400 year dynasty begins. And if you read 1 and 2 Kings, if you read through First and 2 Samuel, you see all the drama of David's life and his family life and the generations that would follow after him. And some of those are great stories. Some of those stories are terrible failures. But again, we find ourselves in these stories. And hopefully we find comfort and consolation because this God who walked with David, walks with us and continues to be the leading character of the story, though we stumble and fail and fall. And so let us again find consolation and encouragement for our lives in these complicated, confusing times, because we believe that this living God is still on the move, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, the God of Hannah, and Samuel and David is our God. This God, the leading character of the story, giving that same good, life-giving, glory-revealing presence to us as God did for Samuel and David at this moment in time in today's story. So let's not give up hope. I know there are some questions that swirl about uh, church And church leadership tables these days, are we going to make it? Is the church in Canada or our church going to make it? There's lots of trembling voices. But I pray that we would be those hopeful voices in this place and in this community of faith where we're gathered but we're also scattered. Let's be those hope-filled voices trusting in God's promise, trusting that God continues to be the lead character in our story. And we don't have, of course, horns filled with oil, but we stand with these stories. We stand with these characters of faith, our ancestors in the faith. We stand and we worship and we pray in this place, In the places where we enter into, we pray as we move into places and conversations this week that we might have courage, that we might bring words and postures of hope and peace. We pray that the Spirit of the Lord would continue to descend upon our lives this day, the days ahead, And as we move forward into this week and try to live out of this Samuel-David story, I thought, why don't we carry a prayer of David with us this week? Because the prayers of David help us hear the voice of God, that our ears might be open in these moments in this season. And so use David's prayer psalms this week. I'm going to particularly encourage you to carry Psalm 143 with you this week. It's one of the pouring out his heart psalms of the Psalm, um, the book of Psalms. And in case you didn't know this, about 73 of the 150 psalms are attributed to David or are written by David or in honor of David. But some of them are called pour your heart penitential psalms. Psalm 51, which is a psalm that we're pretty familiar with, is one of them. But so is Psalm 143, a psalm where David is pouring out his heart in the midst of a world full of troubles. And it's David's way of remembering and noticing and leaning on that living God. That living God who 40 years earlier, before he would have written or prayed that psalm, poured out God's Spirit upon his heart. And so, we too can pray this psalm this week, and I encourage you to do that. And maybe even as I close with a few phrases of Psalm 143, maybe you feel comfortable to lift your hands or maybe you're lifting your hearts or your hopes, one of the phrases here in this prayer is, we stretch out our hands to you. We stretch out our hands to you. Our souls thirst for you like parched land. Let us hear of your steadfast love, O Lord, for in you we put our our trust. And then a couple of prayers where David's saying, teach me, and we can use it in the plural and say, teach us. Teach us, Lord, the way we should go, for to you we lift up our souls. Teach us to do your will, for you are our God. Let your good spirit lead us on a level path. And maybe pray that final prayer with me. Let your good spirit lead us on a level path. One more time. Let your good spirit lead us on a level path.